Welcome to Zephyr Yoga Inspiration. I offer these podcasts for free, and your support really does make a difference and is appreciated. To make a donation, please click the link in the episode description or visit ZephyrYoga.com. We have been working through the seven stages of yoga um, over the past few weeks, and we are at the sixth stage, which is self-transcendence. Now, this is going to be a big preamble, so sit back and really absorb and listen. Um, and take what you like and leave the rest. Um, But self-transcendence really is to transcend to be, to go beyond our limited sense of self, to surpass and expand into ultimately our true nature. So this is not about bypassing this human experience, but to embrace our humanity and to also reclaim our power to go beyond, to rise above our stuff, to cut across karmic ties and to really excel and share our unique talents, our gifts, our skill sets and to leave behind that which doesn't serve us and outshine any kind of core false beliefs that we're carrying around with us. So this said in the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali in 2.27 says that the light of your intelligence, Prajna, and your innate wisdom called Buddhi need to go through these stages to experience liberation. So those stages are first self-awareness, self-understanding, self-acceptance, self-discipline practice, then self-actualization. As we realize ourselves, then we enter self-transcendence. And then from self-transcendence, self-transformation, which then we can go beyond the limited self and have a clear path towards liberation and freedom. We call Kaivalya in the text. So this suggested methodology um, really is working with these stages to create a clear path um, to do our lives well. And we study the Yoga Sutras to receive these teachings and instructions of a tried and tested way of really skillfully navigating our lives with grace. So first, it says, um, we need to drop into self-awareness, self-wakefulness, that mindfulness. Second, once we've dropped into this ability to see, we then start to identify and understand ourselves mainly start to understand what triggers us and how we habitually react to life and learn ways as the yogi, as we are choosing to practice, delay the gratification of reacting and pause, checking in with our set intention. If this is aligned to our heart's desire, our soul's calling. So I get you to come to practice most times and set an intention for your practice, getting used to listening 
to that whispering wisdom, informed by your light and intelligence of an unmet need, a vulnerability of what do you need from this practice to restore you to a state of serenity, sanity, and peace, of getting used to listening to that wisdom sheath, that wisdom body, and informing what we need to do physically, energetically, mentally, to create that transparency and clarity to align to a deeper purpose so we can skillfully kind of navigate through this life um, as we tap into a greater intention aligned to our dharma and commit to reinforcing this intention to really move through our lives with more skill in loving awareness. Um, that is that practice of yoga. <laughs> so, in this second stage of understanding what um, we need um, to inform us how to have a deeper relationship with ourself and connect to the self, uh, we use that inner light uh, of intelligence, prajna, and that innate wisdom, buddhi, to notice what is motivating us. And that motivation becomes key to approach what is arising in a given moment. So this actually creates a clear path towards lasting fulfillment, contentment, and liberation from that which causes you pain and suffering. So with this intention, as you said it, and understanding you know, what is um, provoking you and triggering you, um, we learn how to calm ourselves. And this is entering that third stage of yoga, self-acceptance. Is, is that from a calmer place, a less reactive place, we can expand our viewpoint and empower ourselves to take responsibilities for our part in whatever is arising and recognize that we have so many choices. And with our free will and our choices, we are aware and understand, you know, what is motivating us. You know, is it our shadow side or is it our light? Is it our negativity or is it our positivity that is motivating us? With this, there is an admission of acceptance of what is, cultivating um, that loving awareness, friendliness, joy, and compassion in practice, Sutra 131, as we embrace our humanity. We forgive ourselves for making mistakes of being perfectly imperfect, of being messy. You know, these become our greatest teachers. And that we emphasize in practice self-love as we accept ourselves, our lives, what is just as it is. And we establish a sacred space that we can contently abide in the self as the self. This then enters our fourth stage, which is that self-discipline practice. We devote ourselves and empower ourselves to re-engage with our intention, accessing that unlimited resource of energy, that prana that we are cultivating in practice that fuels us to take wiser actions, to show up in our lives, to live to our fullest potential as we are connected to this unique purpose of embodiment, our own svadharma, that, that deeper you know, purpose and responsibilities for this embodiment. This then opens us to that fifth stage 
where we become more self-actualized, realizing ourselves, realizing our true nature, realizing that enlightened nature, and really fully celebrating our potential of awakening in this lifetime. We enter that sixth stage of yoga, self-transcendence, that we go beyond our limited beliefs of ourselves, of other and the life around us, that we start to heal in our practices, that we transform old ways, we surpass lessons that we brought into this lifetime, but even ones that we have acquired as a result of being an embodied human. So entering the stage where we can outshine our past and receive this evolutionary upgrade of our causal body that we can move closer to its true desire to be liberated from rebirth. So this philosophy that I'm sharing with you actually believes in reincarnation. Whether I believe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, whether you believe it, it doesn't matter. It's just more about kind of creating ideas that kind of under, you can understand why they are unfolding this in this kind of way. And these teachings are shared in this way. So uh, the concept of reincarnation in a yogic perspective is, is that your physical body dies or disengages at death. Your subtle body dies or disengages at rebirth. Your causal body, however, keeps continuing through each lifetime, you know, carrying its karma uh, with it in hopes that it resolves some karma in each lifetime as it lightens the baggage it holds. So this is kind of the idea that in each lifetime what it's trying to do is offload some karma and kind of be like, I need to resolve this in this lifetime because I want to lighten my load. And so as it goes in each lifetime, lightening the load over and over again and learning and resolving and, and transcending, transforming, that eventually it will um, be freed from that karmic attachment the, and be liberated from the bondages of life itself and be freed, totally free from ever being reborn again. And that is Kaivalya, that, that full liberation. Now, that sounds a bit bleak, like, oh, life is just, being in body is just horrible. It's just filled with pain and suffering. And it's something that, you know, we ultimately should not desire. But, you know, there are gifts of life. You know, we all experience it. Yes, life is 10,000 arrows of sorrow, but also life is 10,000 arrows of joy. We as a yogi are practicing, not connecting to that which is not affected. You know, connecting to our causal embodiment, our true nature, who is not affected, whether life, you have failures or successes, whether life is painful and suffering, or whether life is joyous and delightful. You as the yogi is trying to remain in that content wakefulness and embrace that 10,000 arrows of sorrow, embrace 10,000 arrows of joy, and just go, this is life. This is what it's all about. So let's just live it. So yes, we have a lot of pain and suffering, and it sucks sometimes being in our human experience. But there are gifts to life as we've experienced of unsurpassed joys and blessings, of consciousness that we get to experience worldly delights, beauty, and also profound.
down deep love you know we are seekers we are yogis we are students of life that we have a yearning to celebrate life to its fullest to learn as much as we can to refine these tools to navigate this life with more skillful wise action to move to breathe to live to love to feel with more meaning and purpose to this lifetime's experience. So what this teaching is pointing us to is that we have come into this lifetime with a handful of stuff that we keep on trying to learn over and over again, whether it is to have healthier relationships, whether it is to be more intimate and what that means, whether it is to believe in yourself and live accordingly to that, whether it is to um, learn how to let go and trust and what are you trusting into, you know? So these are the handful of issues that we come into this world and you see that we're just trying to um, refine our way in which we relate to this and get more skillful at being able to recognize it, understand it, accept it, and practice with it, and really learn, really grow, really digest, assimilate, let go of, and start to thrive as we transcend and uh, resolve those karmic stuff that we've come into this lifetime so it says you know you know we are a sum total of every choice that we have ever made you know our current circumstances in our life today is a continuum of past karma so you know karma carries this notion that we cannot escape the consequences of actions of our choices um, karma means action means a choice and for every action, there's a reaction. For every choice, there's a consequence. Whether it's negative or positive, it doesn't matter. The yogi actually sees it all as a learning experience, gaining more insight into self and to gain more knowledge and energy that empowers us to effectively um, inform our next choices aligned to our intention whether it's the intention of practice, whether it's a bigger intention of our dharma, our purpose. So this really unfolds in um, offering me the teachings of the three karmas. Bear with, I know this is a long preamble, but bear with. So our three karmas, Paravya karma is active karma. Sanchitta karma is dormant karma. And Kriyamana karma is potential karma. So. Prarabdhi karma is active karma. This is the karma that has traveled into this lifetime that our causal body has brought with it. <laughs> Here's some baggage. I'm going to offload this karma because I want to resolve it in this lifetime. So sometimes it's our causal body's experience, not your embodied experience. But this embodiment also has been given certain karma because it's been born into that family, this community, this culture, this era, which has its own karma, and we're trying to work with what we've been given. So this Pradhavya karma, this active karma, is really um, pointing you that it's active karma that is really shaping this embodiment's 
um, destiny and fate. So yes, you have a starting point and you have an end point and it's already predestined. <laughs> However, we can, we can alter that path because we have free will. And we as yogis delight in refining the tools, using those tools to alter the course of karma, to create more meaning as we learn, as we grow, as we truly thrive in this lifetime and connecting to the desire to fulfill our purpose. So this is actually pointing towards sanchit karma, our dormant karma. So this karma is an accumulation of many different experiences of our past that have shaped our viewpoint and our actions. These are impressions or memories, which we call um, samskaras in yoga. And um, these are impressions and memories that influence our choices that we take. And this is also, um, you know, these choices that we take um, are an accumulation of certain routines that we have formed and habits that we have formed um, over time. And we call these vasanas. So there's a Hindu saying that says, the first 35 years of your life that you create your habits. The last 35 years of your life, your habits create you. And we recognize that we are creatures of habit. You know, that habits serve us to understand our lives and to make sense of our lives. But are your habits serving you or are habits harming you? Are they aligned to your intention? Um, or are they, you know, creating more karma for the causal body to carry? And as we reflect on our memories, are they through a lens that is distorted um, because we're hurt, because we're afraid, because we're angry? Or are those memories aligned to this um, site of uh, our true self, of coming from loving kindness and, and that kind of Buddha nature? So we as yogis drop into self-awareness and understanding and acceptance as we practice to reshape these actions by creating a sacred pause. No, this is a lot to take in. So I'm going to give you an example. Best example I can give you is think about the family member that triggers you the most. <laughs> and I see some faces smiling. You know that family member that triggers you the most. You know how they push those buttons because they probably installed those buttons. So when you are triggered, there is a predictable, habitual way that you react to them that is very familiar. You pull out of your dormant karma and make an act of karma in the way in which you react in anger. You react in tolerance, impatience, arrogance, self-pity. You are hurt. Whatever, what, you know how you react and you know how you behave. And that behavior has a fallout of a consequence. And eventually, you're going to have to start to kind of go, hmm, well, my actions with this family member are usually motivated by my shadow side. And as we pull out our dormant karma, you know, as we react out of our feelings and our the old habits, 
we start to see that at one time, these actions actually served us to keep us safe. And, and they served us to learn how to deal with that family member. However, is it serving us now? You know, is this aligned to our intention? Is this loving? Is this kind? Is this going to benefit all involved? Or am I going to have to just kind of learn the same thing over and over again, expecting different results by pulling out the same dormant karma of a six-year-old self or a 16-year-old self or a 20-year-old self? Or am I going to evolve and pull out a 43-year-old self and kind of go, I'm at, well, regardless of whether that family member changes or not, I'm going to change because I know that this doesn't sit right for me anymore. So the yogi delays the gratification of reacting fueled by this shadow side and we breathe, we pause, we take our own inventory, we understand ourselves, our thoughts, our emotions, the instability in our body, how it disturbs our breath and our mind, so those four symptoms of suffering, and we take that inventory. And we start to see how we can evolve consciously and shape our karma. This is pointing towards Kriya Mana Karma, potential karma. We as students actively take a role in facing our karma, in taking responsibility and accountability for our thoughts, our emotions, and our action in any given opportunity to practice. Not just with that family member, but with someone bumping us in the street or cutting us off or, you know, some law coming into, um, you know, the Constitution and you're just like, that. <laughs> Sorry, that's getting too political now. But you know what I mean. As we acknowledge our current circumstances, and own our past karma, that becomes the first steps in practicing and empowering us with that light of intelligence, prajna, and listening to that innate wisdom, buddhi, aligned to showing up. It's our duty, it's our dharma to show up, to see what is trying to teach us and become more skillful of using these tools we've acquired and learning how to resolve, how to address, how to mend what is, and realigning to what matters to us most, what, what we care about, what would be the best for all involved, and then what would support us on this path to liberate, to be free from what causes us pain and suffering. So we practice asana as a microcosm so we can take it in our real life and deal with the macrocosm. So we put our bodies in these contortionist poses and we, we create intensity. We create suffering. We create pain. You know, hatha yoga means forceful yoga. We force our bodies to get this union, your mind to show up in its embodiment and we create this intimate relationship through the creating intensity. And this intensity creates heat, this heat called tapas, the heat for positive change. Because we notice that when we trigger ourselves, it creates a great opportunity to practice and to self-reflect, to understand ourselves. In that predictable way, we kind of go, oh, 
I don't like this pose. I don't like this teacher. Oh, this hurts. I'm going to run away and think about what I'm going to eat for breakfast. <laughs> you know, there's this, you know, consciousness that we just constantly see the mind abandoning ourselves, habitually roaming off because we are affected by the clashes. We're like, I, I'm confused. I don't understand. Avidya. We go into Ashmita. I am more or less than who I actually am because I can or cannot do this yoga pose. Or we go into, oh, I don't want this. I'm gonna just, uh, this is, I'm gonna resist this. This is horrible. This is a um, devasha. Or I'm gonna be lost in storytelling, trying to seek something more pleasurable. Like I'm gonna think about what I'm gonna shop for after class. <laughs> you know, that raga. Or, all of a sudden a beanie vesha comes up and it's just like, oh my god, I'm going to die in this pose because this is too much and it's going to last forever, this pain and suffering. So we start to go through this like, Wah! but we as yogis, you know, realize what we're doing and reconnect and commit ourselves to these stages of yoga that we drop into self-awareness a deeper sense of self-understanding and an acceptance for whatever thoughts, emotions, stuff that is coming up. That radical acceptance as we drop into just contentment. And in that contentment of what is, we then practice. And remembering said practice is turning your attention to your body breathing. Open to the sensation, whatever sensation is arising, falling, contracting, releasing. Then cultivate this light, this light of insight, the light of prana, that light of intelligence that will guide you as you contemplate a stable mind in your embodiment that wakes you up to moment-by-moment -moment awareness of pure consciousness embodied as you, that you are it, it is you, and as you abide in the self, now yoga begins. Sutra 134 to 139. So in this way of practicing, of realizing the true self, we start to transcend old ways and open to new opportunities, possibilities, and that, that door that opens us to really thrive in hopes we get that self-transformation in getting that evolutionary upgrade to continue on our journey as a causal um, embodiment, uh, you know, entity, being. So our soul gets to go and try it again, <laughs> hopefully carrying less baggage. <laughs> so with all that being said, I know that's a lot of information, but we've been practicing and hopefully through repetition, it, things start to drop, pennies start to drop, things start to make sense. And you not only really understand it in your practice, you live it in all of your affairs, that you can take it and, and utilize it in every relationship. And anything that comes up, you see it as a teacher. It's that sense of Pratipaksha Bhavana. That whatever shows up, instead of kind of going, eh! Noticing when you point and judge and criticize, or I don't like this, or... I'm triggered. Three fingers are pointing back at you. And so we see, we turn it around and create another story. Pratipaksha Bhavana, we go, wow, how can this serve me? How can this teach me? How can I utilize these tools that I've acquired 
and practice. And it's, this is really the point. As they say, it's the journey, not the destination. And this journey we're practicing. And to really, yes, it's painful, it's really horrible, but once you connect to a deeper sense of self, to know that self, you can get through most things. And so these tools will help self-regulate. They will build that resilience that you can manage anything in your life. You can go through anything. If you would like to continue to practice, find out more information about the topics discussed, or to donate to this podcast, please visit ZephyrYoga.com or follow the link in the episode description. I thank you.